The Tom Woods Show, episode 1597. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Harry's, the official razor of the Tom Woods Show, wants you to start the new year off right. New customers get $5 off a Harry's trial set when you go to harrys.com slash woods. Hey, everybody, Tom Woods here. Hope you enjoyed Walter Block Week last week. And I will say that episode 1596, the one right before this one, had what may be my favorite moment in the entire history of the Tom Woods Show. At the end of that episode, I was asking Walter, can you tell us a little bit about the forthcoming book, probably coming out next year, 2021, Defending the Undefendable Part 3? What are some of the examples of the very of the rogues gallery you're going to be defending this time? And he started listing them, and I basically said, Walter, Walter, stop, stop. I can't take it anymore. I just loved that particular moment. It was a lot of fun. So anyway, that was Walter Block Week. For those of you who are who have been on my case about a Bob Murphy week, that's coming up next week when you get Murphy on here, talk about a bunch of things. If you want him to talk about the infinite banking concept, I remind you that we have actually done that already. Episode 1326, tomwoods.com slash 1326. But we'll cover some other topics next week. Uh, what else did I want to say? While I was in London last week, I got to meet a couple of recent guests of the Tom Woods Show. I met uh, or had lunch with, I guess I've met before, but had lunch with Toby Baxendale and also got to know uh, Dominic Frisbee, meeting him for the first time in person. We had a nice lunch. I tweeted out a nice photo of ourselves after that. But uh, these are both great guys, and I'm. Uh, it was just great to have time with them, particularly to meet uh, Dominic Frisbee for the very first time, uh, who just recently came on my radar and uh, is super impressive. So, all right, so today I want to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on electorally, and I want to point out that last time there was a Democratic debate, uh, which I guess was just last week, wasn't it? Uh, Lou Rockwell and I did not do a debate analysis episode, and there were two factors there. Uh, one was we felt like these debates were just not interesting anymore. It's the same thing over and over and over again that just weren't particularly interesting. I hadn't quite counted on the uh, Bloomberg factor quite as much as I should have. But the second thing was I was in London at the time. We have to do those episodes right after the debate for the news not to be old by the time the episode is released. So I just couldn't make that happen. But this week there is going to be another Democratic debate with Bloomberg. So Lou and I will be doing a debate episode for you. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about what's going on here. I sent out an email to the folks on my list about Bloomberg and what he ought to have said. And of course, we all know Mike Bloomberg, former New York City mayor, was in the most recent Democratic debate and everybody just stomped all over him. You know, he, he did this wrong, he did that wrong. Uh, he agreed with such and such policy in the past and now he says he doesn't and we can't really trust him and he's a billionaire and he's trying to buy his way in. But they were also saying things uh, involving non-disclosure agreements with uh, female employees and all kinds of things to, uh, to really let him have it. Now, Bloomberg, of course, had been a Republican for a while. He was a, you know, kind of left of center uh, Republican, and then he switched parties. So he's not on the hard left. I mean, maybe, let's say, by 1950 standards, he probably is, but certainly not by 2020 standards. So he's not on the hard left. He thinks the identity politics thing has gone a little bit far. We know that from some of his private comments. 
And now they're digging up things that he said, you know, little 20-second sound bites that they're using to, to hit him with. And he's got hundreds of millions of dollars he's willing to, to spend. I mean, I don't know what he's willing to spend ultimately because he's worth many billions, but he's already spent in excess of, I believe, of $400 million as it is. So anyway, so in terms of that debate, I'm going to get to in a minute what I think would have been a better approach for Bloomberg. Number one, be prepared for these questions. How could you not know these things were coming? That would be one thing to bear in mind. But the thing I want to think about right now is what happens for Bernie Sanders if, let's say, somehow Bloomberg wins the nomination? Because it's one thing for Bernie to endorse Hillary Clinton in 2016, which goes to show He's not one one-hundredth the man Ron Paul is. Ron Paul in the Democratic Party would never have endorsed Hillary uh, any more than he would have endorsed uh, or, or did endorse Romney and McCain in the Republican Party. He hasn't endorsed a Republican candidate since, I think, 1980. And that's his own party. That was the party he was in, uh, with the brief exception of 1988, for all those years. And he just couldn't bring himself to do it. Bernie did it. He endorsed uh, Hillary in 2016. But could he really remain Bernie Sanders and tell people, vote for this billionaire who just bought the Democratic nomination? Can he do that and maintain any credibility whatsoever? I mean, he did lose a lot of support and he made a lot of people angry when he endorsed Hillary in 2016. But since, you know, I think people in the Democratic Party just are more likely to accept than we libertarians are, the idea that, well, politics is politics. You got to do what you got to do. They all came crawling back to him in 2020. You know, that <laughs> that didn't matter. And he probably knew that. You people will come crawling back to me later. And they did that. That's one thing. But could he get away with endorsing Mike Bloomberg? I don't think he can. And then what happens? Then really the Democratic Party starts having major problems. So for a long time, we've thought it's the Republican Party that's splitting apart because Trump yeah, they've tried to say, look, Trump's not a real conservative. Look at all these positions he has. And it just doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That just falls on deaf ears. So what's going to happen to the Republican Party is a good question. But now there's a just as good a question, what's going to happen with the Democratic Party? So very interesting to watch all these things happen. So getting back to Bloomberg, it seems to me that there must be, there just must be, even now in the Democratic Party, some people, who are not anti-business per se. There are, I'm sure there are plenty of small business, well, and indeed big business owners who are happy to be members of the Democratic Party and who don't particularly find Bernie's message resonating with them. It, just, it doesn't resonate with them. It doesn't ring true to them. And the demonization of business owners and of the wealthy, because remember, it used to be millionaires and billionaires that... Uh, Bernie was opposed to, and then he became a millionaire, and suddenly the word millionaire dropped out of his criticisms, like on Twitter, for example. You can even trace this out from the moment he becomes a millionaire himself. So I happen to think there are some people, and maybe they are very socially liberal and this and that, but surely there are some people who are not happy at the prospect of Bernie for this precise reason, and that's the constituency of Bloomberg, is uh, you know maybe an older demographic and by the way, I would take an older demographic over a younger one any day of the week because old people vote and young people don't. That's just a fact. Young people do not vote. I mean, yeah, some of them vote, but they don't really. Whereas those oldsters, you know, I'm telling you, it's just a fact. If they are going to 
get to that polling place and vote for more war and more slavery if it's the last thing they do, for whatever reason. That's just a fact. Bloomberg appeals to those and just says, you know, we got to have some common sense here and defends himself as a businessman, defends himself much more effectively than he did in that most recent debate. The best moment Bloomberg had was when he turned to the other candidates and he said, uh, it's safe to say he's the only person on stage who had built a business. Is that right? Of course, none of them spoke up because, of course, none of them have done anything. I, I saw a Snopes article where they're answering some attacks on Bernie, and one of them was Bernie's never had a real job, a nine-to-five job. And their answer was, well, being a senator seems like a, as much a nine-to-five job as anything to us. Okay. All right. Anyway, none of them had started a business. So that was at least something. But what's interesting was I read an article uh, not long ago about Hollywood executives warming to Bloomberg. Now, I don't know how anybody warms to Bloomberg. He's about the least charismatic person of all time. But these are people who realize that Bernie Sanders might rile up the rank and file, but he is going to scare off a lot of middle America. And for all his enthusiastic rallies, what matters are votes. And as I say, young people don't vote. So some people just want Trump out. I mean, and that's, his, that's Bloomberg's natural constituency. You want Trump out and you want somebody in here with some experience and with some business acumen and who isn't coming in just to burn everything down. Now, I'm not saying, again, I don't, I don't like Bloomberg one bit. I'm just saying if I were advising him, I would say talk like that. And it's not a cheap shot. He, he talked about communism. That's not a cheap shot because Bernie has praised authoritarian communist leaders. That's a fact. You know, or said, oh, Castro wasn't all bad. Yeah, he was. Because the, the argument Bernie makes is that Castro instituted a literacy program. Okay. Well, first of all, if all you can read is government propaganda, then you don't care if the population is literate. That's good. You want them to be literate. But beyond that, remember when, and I'll try and remember to put this on the show notes page, when after Castro passed on, I had Umberto Fontova on the show, and he pointed out that a lot of these statistics purporting to show the great success of the communist revolution there, oh, look at this statistic about the well-being of the people, and that one are just building on what already existed in, in pre-Castro Cuba. So yeah, you can have decent looking statistics if you start off with really great statistics and you just degrade them a bit through your own poor performance. So that doesn't get pointed out either. So it's totally legit to say, what are you going around, going to the Soviet Union and you give a press conference talking about what a wonderful place it is in the 1980s, you know, when it is obvious to everyone that this thing is just how pathetic it is. And I remember in particular Bernie being really impressed that they had puppet shows there and they cost only $1.50. Yeah, so you look at the Soviet Union and you, you comment on that. So Bloomberg could have said, look, is America going to vote for that? Bernie gets the nomination. Then between now and November, it's just ad after ad showing Bernie praising some of the worst people on earth. You think that's going to get us a victory in November? You've got to be crazy. Just talk about that. That's the elephant in the room. The so-called moderates in the Democratic Party, none of them are actually moderate by any reasonable standard, but compared to Bernie, they're moderate, have been completely on the defensive because everybody just assumes that Bernie has the moral high ground because he's the Democratic Socialist. Bloomberg should have turned that around and made clear that he has the moral high ground because at least he hasn't been going around praising the Soviet Union and you know dictators in Cuba and Venezuela and the rest. So he should have said, look, 
There needs to be one adult on this debate stage who's got some knowledge of business and the economy because that is what America wants. They do want somebody competent uh, with regard to the economy and somebody who understands that making demands through a bullhorn and saying that everything they wish for is actually a human right is just not serious. And then his final appeal could have been, look, I know out there, some of you listening to me, are Democrats who have been left behind by our party, who don't believe that business is shameful, who don't believe business is responsible for all our ills, and who do understand that it's no solution to our problems to just keep saying, let's pile on more and more and more obligations on business, as if that doesn't come with a cost to all of us. And likewise, I know there are Democrats who above all else want to beat Donald Trump, and I can deliver that with my common sense approach. I can guarantee you, you will not get that with the bullhorn yellers on this stage. I mean, that would have at least been worth a try. You may say there aren't enough of those people out there for him to get the nomination. With a divided field, there may be. But at the very least, he's got to try. That's his constituency. Why not try to appeal to them instead of being pathetic, defensive, mealy-mouthed? That appeals to nobody. All right, time to talk about Bernie. And remember, I've got, what else? A free ebook. Bernie Sanders is wrong. It's a real live book. Like, it's at least 150 pages. It's a real book uh, that you can download at BernieIsWrong.com. And it goes through a number of his major planks and shows what the problems with them are. So you can get that for free. Doesn't cost you a thing. BernieIsWrong.com. So I want to say a little something about Bernie because, of course, he's been doing very well. And I'll do that in just a second. But before we do that, quick message for you from a very, very important group of folks. Imagine if there was a 50% off sale every time you went shopping for razors. Well, shopping with Harry's, the official razor of the Tom Woods show, is kind of like that because they offer premium blade refills as low as $2 each. That's up to 55% off compared to the price of, let's just say, a leading competitor. I love shaving with Harry's because I get to shave the old neck area and it's super sensitive. And with Harry's, it's beautiful, comfortable, smooth, all the time. And I realized just how good Harry's was when I was stuck on a cruise not long ago and all I had was some razor from the convenience store they have on board. Oh my gosh, I was a mess by the time I was done with that. Thank heavens for Harry's. Harry's team combined a simple ergonomic design with five sharp blades. You get a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. But you'd be crazy to do that because they're so darn good. Harry's has an amazing offer for listeners of my show. New customers get $5 off a trial set at harrys.com slash woods. You'll get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and a travel cover. Join the millions of guys who are already saving money and go to harrys.com slash woods to claim your offer. All right, let's talk about Bernie. Obviously, the Democratic establishment does not like this guy. He hasn't really been a Democrat. That's the thing. He's been an independent. He's used the Democratic Party when he needs it like, for example, when he runs for president. But otherwise, he has a very, very strained relationship with the Democratic Party. That's what Pete Buttigieg was getting at when he said, we should nominate somebody who's actually a Democrat. That's what he was referring to there. So Bernie's not really a Democrat in terms of his history, his political history. So the Democratic establishment doesn't like that. But they also don't like that he is hard to control. He is not a team player. And they, they do think his ideas are a little bit too out there because in their own fumbling way, there still are Democrats who think that they're pro-business, 
I mean, they're not pro-business by leaving business alone. They want to give them subsidies and special programs and this and that. But there are some who think of themselves as genuinely wanting to, to do that. And they don't look at Bernie favorably. And they also think that he's too extreme for the American electorate right now and that the establishment would be better off just nominating somebody in the mold of a Barack Obama. And this is just not who Bernie is. So they are pulling out all the stops. So now we're being told that the Russians are trying to help the Bernie Sanders campaign. I mean, these people must be laughing their rear ends off in private at what they get away with, spreading things like this. And then we told them the Russians were involved in the Bernie Sanders campaign. They were stupid enough to believe that. I don't know any of the particulars of that, and I don't even need to. Just, you know, automatically that's not true. Absolutely that's not true. I mean, the so-called assistance that the Russians uh, gave to Trump, if you actually look at it, what is it? Like what they spent, 25 grand, some kind of thing like that, on a bunch of memes, some of which didn't even have anything to do with Trump, and the rest of which were so amateurish and stupid, you barely even knew what the point was. Who changed his vote on the basis of this? This is ridiculous. No, I don't think anybody actually knows the real details of the, the Russians interfered in the election nonsense. You look at the allegation and it's so unbelievably dumb. And now they're trying to help Bernie. And this is not resonating with Bernie's people. Now, suddenly Bernie's people are saying, wait a minute, that's a hoax. Well, you may be late to the party, but better late than never. Yeah, the whole Russia thing. Now, they, maybe they still believe that Trump's a Russian agent or whatever this ridiculous low IQ crap is. But how can you for a minute see this as anything other than a desperate attempt to stop Bernie? And I see some people like Jimmy Dore on the left saying, look, I said over and over and over again that Bernie should not buy into this stupid Russia thing because they will use it against him. They will turn it against him. And that indeed is what's happening. Well, now the Democrats have been changing the debate rules because it had been the case that you needed to have a certain threshold of support in the polls and a certain minimum number of discrete donors of individual donors. You had to have X number to qualify. Well, Bloomberg doesn't have that many donors. So they just got rid of that requirement so that he could participate in the debates. So this is you know, obviously an attempt to pave the way for Bloomberg, who, as I said, turned out to have a very poor performance in that debate. But it's, again, something the Bernie people can point to. And if they use dirty tricks to take this away from Bernie, honestly, I don't know what happens next. Do these people just go back to the Democratic Party like nothing ever happened? I just don't know. Do they, I don't know what happens to these people. Dan McCarthy, who's been a guest quite a few times on uh, this podcast, has a good article on this in The uh, Spectator, The American Spectator, in which he says, let's suppose they try and stop Bernie in some way, then you know, you're gonna have a massive, massive revolt on your hands. But let's suppose Bernie does win, the results are probably not going to be as bad for the Democratic establishment as they fear because the, the economic part of things where they some of them think he does go a little bit too far is probably going to run into opposition from Republicans and indeed from non-Sanders Democrats, of which there are many. And this has been pointed out uh, numerous times. I mean, I think even Amy Klobuchar said his, his proposals aren't even popular in his own caucus. So a lot of those things will be stopped dead in the water. Where he does agree with the Democratic establishment is in all the identity politics stuff. So they'll get plenty of that. But the stuff they don't like, 
maybe they won't get. Now, in terms of foreign policy, I think he might not be as bellicose, and I think he may have a different approach to the Palestinians if he sticks with his his rhetoric, and that may also rankle the Democratic establishment. But Dan's point is that, by and large, the stuff they fear is the least likely to be implemented, and the stuff they like is what he will have a freer hand to do. Then there's the question of, would they rather have Bernie win or lose? I mean, if it, let's say Bernie wins, there's a decent chance there's a recession uh, in that second term, or what would have been Trump's second term, in Bernie's term. Then Bernie takes the hit for that, and maybe the Democrats can use that as a way of maneuvering back away from a Bernie wing. Uh, if they lose, if they let Bernie get the nomination and he loses, well, this is also not so bad for them because they can say, see, look, we tried nominating one of your non-establishment people and look what happened. And moreover, Trump would therefore be presiding over what could well be a recession in his second term. And the Democrats can capitalize on that. Six-year midterms, that is six years into a president's two terms, tend to be very bad for the party who occupies the White House. So 2022 could be very strong for the Democrats which would mean they would go into 2024 extremely strong. So maybe it could be worth uh, letting Bernie be the sacrificial victim. You know, he goes up, you nominate him, he goes up and loses. So that discredits him and his wing of the party. And very likely it sets up a successful 2022 for the Democrats. So it's not nearly as catastrophic as the Democratic establishment may think it is. And what's more, suppose a Biden or a Bloomberg or even a Mayor Pete, suppose that one of them gets the nomination, they're going to come in with a massive opposition from the left facing them and a massive opposition from the right. Is that really that appealing of a prospect right now? And maybe it's better to take the wind out of Bernie's sails in one way or another, having him lose or having him win and then you know, having him be the one who deals with the recession and him be the one who's frustrated. And then you triumphantly emerge stronger, uh, having chastened with the with the Bernie wing somewhat chastened. Maybe that's the way to think about it. Well, at any rate, I think it's going to be interesting to see what that second debate with Bloomberg in it looks like, because if he gets trounced a second time, I don't know how many millions of dollars it will take to bring him back from that, or how many millions it you know is taking to rehabilitate him from the first one. I don't know how you do that. So it turns out that. Um, I was wrong. I really thought Biden was going to get it. And that was mainly because I guess I hadn't seen Biden in a long time. And I didn't realize how bad he was. I just assumed he was a, you know, not very bright, but at least somewhat competent politico anyway, who could, you know, talk his way out of a paper bag. And turns out that's not the case. I will say I certainly wish we had an articulate opponent of all forms of socialism as the opponent of Bernie Sanders in the uh, general election. I wish we had that. Somebody who knew the facts and figures, who was interested in learning the facts and figures, who was interested in learning real arguments. I mean, yeah, I know a lot of people respond not to real arguments, but to emotional appeals and stuff. But for those of us who actually like things like real arguments, it would be nice if there could be appeals made to people like us too. That would be ideal if we had somebody who could just smack it down every single time they were together. I don't want it to look like, on the one hand, we have democratic socialism. And on the other hand, we have uh, buffoonish non-response responses. That's not good. That's not good for anybody. All right. 
Uh, well, that's going to do it for today. Tomorrow, we're talking logical fallacies. This is by a popular demand. I had people asking, could you do an episode on logical fallacies, kind of fallacies people use in arguments? Identify them and uh, explain them. So we're going to do that tomorrow and have some fun doing it. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, tomwoods.com slash Apple, and you download the Bernie is Wrong book over at, or Bernie Sanders is Wrong, over at BernieIsWrong.com. See you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at Podsworth.com.